Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I know last week we talked about the Spirit's part of it in our lives, and that is a big part of how we transition from this, this old life to this new life that Jesus promised. But how many of you know you have a part to play in that too? It's not just we hope for God to move and, and supernatural things to happen, but we have a natural part to play. And so today is going to be very practical. I would encourage you to take some notes as we wrap this thing up. Uh, but let me start with this question. How many of you, in the spirit of prom season that is upon us, how many of you remember your very first slow dance? Raise your hand. A few of you? Like, I remember mine. I was talking about this with my wife and some friends a couple of days ago, probably I remember it because it went so terrible. It was awful. I was 12 years old. I was right in the, the pinnacle of insecurity in my prepubescent years, and I was invited to this, this my first boy-girl kind of dance thing, and it was at a church, I think. I don't know what kind of church that was. It was at a church. Um, I think it was called Cotillion. I don't know, something like that. And I remember the song that we danced to. Eternal Flame by the Bengals. Come on, close your eyes, give me your hand, darling. Uh, whatever. It was awful. All right, it was terrible. I remember showing up, I wore my coolest fit that I could think of, which was an oversized Pepsi shirt. Some of you had Coca-Cola brands. We had the Pepsi brand in my house. Oversized Pepsi shirt, some acid-washed jeans. They might have had pleats in them. Just throwing that out there. And a swatch watch. Say something. Say something. It was awesome. I'll preach in that next week. I promise I will. Like, it was amazing, right? But we were dancing, going back and forth, and I just remember thinking, I know the guy's supposed to lead. I know the guy's supposed to lead. My mom told me, hey, the, as the guy, you lead in the dance. I'm thinking, all we're doing is this. Like, there's not much leading going on. This, this, this ain't, we're not doing the waltz. This ain't, you know, dancing with the stars, mom. Like, we're, just, we're just rocking back and forth. But it was terrible. Because I think she wanted to lead, and, and I wanted to lead, and, and we didn't know who was leading, and so it was just this one big, massive mess. And in the spirit of that, I want to preach from this title today as we wrap up this series of talks. Write it down. Your who is leading your do. What is that? I know that's all sounding like Dr. Seuss up here. Um, and I'm going to explain that to you in just a second, because every single one of us in this room has a who, who you are. And we all have a do, what it is that you do. And your who affects your do, and your do, vice versa, affects your, your who. And if you and I want to see this real lasting change from going from old to new, the, the life that Jesus has for us, this life that God says you and I can have this, this full life, which, by the way, why wouldn't you want that? If it's a promise of God and he wants us to have this in our life and Jesus gave his life on the cross and sacrificed so that you and I could have this, this life, if we want to experience those things, you and I will only if we understand and let our who lead our do. Craig Rochelle, uh, he's a, a, a pastor. I heard him say it this way. He says, when you know who you are, you will know what 
to do. I'm gonna say it like this, I want you to write it down. The right identity leads to the right actions. The right identity will lead you to the right actions. If you have your Bible, open it up to John chapter one. That's where we're going to be. This is, this is a story of Jesus. He's kind of, you know, just arriving on the scene and he's gathering a following of, of some of his first disciples. And starting in verse 35, this is what it says, that the next day, John, meaning John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and look what he says. So casually, he says, look, it's the Lamb of God. Now, to us, that might sound interesting and different, you know, because he's God and he's a lamb and we're trying to figure that whole thing out, but they understood perfectly what he meant because when God initially rescued his chosen people out of the nation of Israel, he did it by using the sacrifice of a lamb and it was prophesied that he would come again. As a, as, a, as a lamb and, and, and lead his chosen people, right? Be the Messiah for his chosen people. So this is what he says. He says, so then the two disciples heard him say this, heard John the Baptist say it, so they followed Jesus instead. Now, put yourself in this story. You gotta think about this. John the Baptist was, he was the goat. Like, according to Jesus, he was the goat. He was the greatest of all time. Jesus said, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist was this super weird kind of character. John the Baptist, he, he lived in the wilderness. His fashion was camel fur. His, his diet was locusts and honey. So if you can imagine, here's this guy, kind of hippie dude. He gathers this small group of followers, this small group of, of young men. And I can just picture them. They're just chilling under a tree having a little Bible study, you know, just kind of wearing camel fur and eating bugs dipped in honey. And I'm thinking, is this Edinburgh? Because it sounds like Edinburgh, a bunch of hippies. This is what's going on, right? So John the Baptist has this group of young men, this small group of men. And he says, there's the Lamb of God. It says, turning around, verse 38, right? They went to follow him. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went, and they saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. And the Bible tells us it was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and followed Jesus. I love this. The first thing, somebody say first thing. The first thing that Andrew did was to go and find his brother Simon and tell him, hey, we found him. We found the Messiah. We found the one that was prophesied. We found the Savior of the world, the one we've been waiting for, the Christ, he says. And he brought his brother to Jesus. He actually brought him there. And I want to pause right here and say, this is the Great Commission simplified. I will, until the day that I die, until my very last breath, tell you that the Great Commission should never be complicated. It should always be, be simple, meaning you don't have to have a, a, a seminary degree, exhibit A, case in point, standing right here, I'm a seminary dropout. Like you don't have to have a, you know, an understanding of apologetics, right, to make a difference, to make an impact. All you have to do is bring people to Jesus and allow Jesus to change them, are you with me? That's the Great Commission. And so I love this and it makes it easy for us to do. And so Jesus looked at him and said this, this is important, you are Simon. Everybody say Simon. You're Simon, someone's son of John. However, even more important, you will be Cephas. Now say Cephas. So he changes his name. 
You are Simon. Now you're Cephas, which translated is Peter, which means rock. So Jesus just changed everything about this man's life in a moment. His past, his present, his future, and he does it by changing his name. And can we just acknowledge, if we put ourselves in this story, how socially awkward this moment might have been? Like, you know, Andrew shows up and he's like, hey, Jesus, you know, I know I'm a part of your new small group and, and it's awesome, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm stoked that we're not eating bugs anymore, you know, with John the Baptist, and I love following you, and I have a new recruit. It's my brother. And so he says, here, this is Simon. And so Simon comes before Jesus, and Jesus is like, it's Simon, is it? He's like, yeah, Simon. He's like, nah, I'm going to call you Cephas. Like, is that okay with you? I'm going to change your name. Now you're going to be, see, I don't, I don't like Simon. You're going to be Cephas. And, and, you know, Jesus is like, I don't care what you think because I'm God. I'm going to call you whatever. And this is a big deal because in this, this time period, your name was everything. Your name was attached to your, your identity. We could say it this way. Your name was your, your who. That's your identity. Your name was your, your who. Oftentimes, it was your, your do as well had to do with what you, you did for a living or was even your where, where you were from. And so Jesus looks at Simon and goes, I know who the world says you are, but this is not who you are. I know this is what everybody thinks you are or this is your life up until this moment. And I know you, Simon Peter. I know that you're, you're past. I know you're present. I know you're good, you're bad, you're ugly. I know everything that you've ever done and I love you, you are fully known, and you are fully loved at the same time. Hey, can I tell somebody this morning that you are fully loved and fully known all at the same time? No matter what you walk through these doors with, no matter how far you feel from God right now, you need to know that. That right now, in this moment, you are both fully loved and fully known. And I think that is one of the deepest desires of the human heart, is it not? To be fully known, you're good, bad, ugly, all the stuff that you've done, but at the same time, right, to be loved unconditionally, you walk through these doors fully known and fully loved. However, and here's the awesome thing about Jesus, he doesn't want you to stay that way. Like, he does not want you to leave these doors unchanged and unimpacted by him. And so it's one of the great things about, about Jesus is that, that, that we have a God who loves us exactly the way we are, right, but wants us to change at the same time. He loves you just the way you are, but he has more for your life than what you and I are currently living. He calls us to more. So he says, hey, you're Simon. However, from this point on, you're going to be Cephas. Why? Because I love you and because I have something better for you and I see more in you than you even see in your, yourself. Can I tell you something? God sees more in you than what you even see in yourself. And so notice that he doesn't give Simon a list of things to do in order for him to earn and acquire that name. He doesn't say you have to go do this before I change your name, before I give you a brand new identity, before I say out with the old and in with the new. He just changes his name to Cephas, which means rock, which means on this rock, I'm gonna build my, my church. And he does. In fact, the day of Pentecost, you know, Peter stands up and he gives the message and the church begins right from that, that moment. In that, in that moment, we also notice that Jesus doesn't wait for Simon to go and be something, to go and preach that message, or to go and, and lead a, a martyr's life and die, die a martyr's 
death so that then he can change his name. One day, no, Jesus changes his who? He changes his who before he earns it, before he deserves it, before he even acts like it. And the Bible says that yet while we were yet sinners, he came and gave his life for us. Just while you're doing what you're doing, Jesus wants to radically change your, your identity. Why? Because he understands that your who drives your do, which ultimately leads you from old to new. Come on, somebody stop me, right? We're, we're rhyming up here now. Right? He understands that. He understands that if you're going to lead the right life and live the right activity in life, then you have to do it from the right identity. So he says, Simon, this is who you are. I know what the world says about you, but I made you. I created you, and I don't, I don't make mistakes, right? This is who you are, so you can trust me. This is who you are, which brings me to the thesis of this message, which is this, if you want to write it down, when you know who God is, which, by the way, that's the starting point for everybody in this room. When you know who God is, you'll know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. But you know what that means? The best thing you and I can do, you and I can do with our time and our energy and our resources is to know God more is to get as close to God as we possibly can. The best thing you can do to live out your life and live out the purpose that he has for you is to know God more. Now stick with me. I did not say no more about God. Knowledge is great, and there is a place for that, right? But you need to know God more. Know him more. Back in 2005, I think it was, I was trying to remember, I ran into Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. The golden bear, the golf legend, the champion, Jack Nicholas, who was down at the Memorial Golf Tournament in Columbus, Ohio. And so I got to talk to Jack for about 90 seconds or so. So I don't know if that means we're hanging out, but I like to think it does. Me and Jack, you know, just kind of chilling. That's what I call him. I call him Jack. You should call him Mr. Nicholas because you don't know him like I know him. But to me, he's Jack. Me and Jack, we were just kind of, kind of hanging out and just talking. And I know so much about Jack. I know, I know that he was an OSU grad, Buckeyes, let's go. I know, I know that he was, um, a, a, he first of all majored in, in pharmacy, but then he switched his major to insurance to give him more time in order to pursue his golf career. I know that he won his first tournament at age 10 years old. I know that he, is, he won 117 PGA Tours uh, tournaments and that he's won 18 you know, major tournaments. I know so much about Jack. But can I tell you something? That if you happen to run into Jack Nicholas this week, don't tell him that Colby says hi. You know why? He won't have a clue what you're talking about. Because I know about him, but I don't know him. Are you with me? And could it be that some of you know Jesus the way that I know Jack? Now, you know about him, but you don't know him. And so with no condemnation, let me ask you this question. Are you, a, are you a friend of Jesus, or are you simply a fan of Jesus? Because the goal is to know God more and to not have just a head knowledge of him, but have a heart understanding of who God is. You want to know who I know slightly better than I know, than I know Jack? It's my wife. Just a little better. 
And the reason I know her better is because like two years before we were we were married, we were writing each other, talking on the phone for, for long hours. A lot of our relationship, dating relationship, was through distance. And so we would have to have those long phone call conversations at night, you know, the ones where you're like, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. Like, that's what we did. This is kind of pre-email. Email was just getting started, so that tells you how long ago, you know, we were dating. And so we did a little bit of that, but it was mainly phone calls, these long, long conversations. In fact, I went away to the war for a year, and every day I wrote her, 365 days I wrote her, but her mother didn't approve of the relationship, and so she never gave her any of my letters. Oh, wait, that's the notebook. I'm getting that confused. It's kind of like our love story a little bit. Like, right, I know things about, about my wife, too. I know that she is five, seven and a quarter. I know that she has beautiful sandy brown amber-ish hair, you know, right now in this season, beautiful blue eyes. I know that she is way out of my league, but a lot of people know that about my wife. But because of those conversations, because of the hours spent on the phone, because of writing letters, because of, and I can wrap that all up into one word, pursuit. Because of that, I don't just know about my wife, I know my wife. Does that make sense? Do you know God that way? Do you know God that way? Because of the time spent with him in prayer, because of the time spent reading his word, because of the, the times you invited him into areas of your, your life where he previously was not a part of. Do you know God? Because knowing God more is the, the goal. Why? Because when you know who God is, you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Can I tell you a little piece of who you are right now? Even as you and I sit here right now, the Bible says that when God looks at you, if you are in Christ, you know what he sees? Perfection. Which means God sees you as perfect even though you are still a work in progress. Even though you're still trying to work things out in your own life. And I can back that up with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. It says this, for by one sacrifice, sacrifice of Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are what? Say that word out loud. Those who are being in the process of being made holy. Did you catch it? He sees you as perfect even though you're still in process. He sees Colby as perfect even though I'm still a work in, in process. This is how Jesus could, could say to, to Simon, hey, you're Cephas, even though you're not acting like him. Even though I know everything about your life, I know the good, the bad, the ugly, you are still Cephas. That's how Jesus could say that. Jesus will call you righteous in the middle of your addiction. Jesus will call you righteous even when you've messed up. He'll call you righteous even when you are still broken. He can do that because the right identity leads to the right action. And Jesus knows that we don't, I don't do those things so I can become somebody, so I can become some, some man of God that I think I should become. No, he says, Colby, you're already that man of God, right? And so, therefore, you can go and do the things that I've called you to do. Jesus isn't waiting for you to become somebody to give you a new name. He says, you're already that person. Go and do what I've called you to do, which, by the way, he is a God of order. And so the order that you and I get these things in is everything. Your who informs your do. And so this is where we have our very important transition from who you are to what you do. 
because who you are drives a lot of your decisions in life, does it not? And your decisions, therefore, reinforce who you are, which is why as Christians, we live in this paradox, which is um, as followers of Jesus, if you are in Christ, like you get heaven forever. That's a promise. If you have made a true commitment to put your faith and hope for salvation in Jesus and you've called on his name, which some of you today, I pray by the time we're done here, you take that step. But if you've done that, you get heaven forever, kind of regardless of what you do. But on the other hand, what you do on this earth is of extreme importance. And I'll prove it to you this way. We have, as they say, seven natural wonders in our world. Do you know that? We have seven natural wonders. We also have seven man-made wonders and seven ancient wonders and seven new wonders. We got all these, we're like, we got wonders coming out of, you know, every place. I don't know what I was gonna say there, I don't know. We got wonders everywhere. Um, how many of you know the seven wonders? Just name one if you know a wonder of the world, Nat natural wonder. Niagara Falls close, it's Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls is on the border, and I know, I know fun facts about all of these now. So Victoria Falls is on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. And coming over the falls right now, there is 135 million cubic feet of water every minute that flows over those falls. Isn't that crazy? And the best thing to do there is to bungee jump. There's this bridge where you get the best view of it. I saw it on The Amazing Race. It's incredible. Uh, that's definitely a bucket list thing. Somebody else said the Grand Canyon. Yes, the Grand Canyon is one. And the Grand Canyon is larger than the state of Rhode Island. And although there are rattlesnakes there, there are Gila monsters or Gila monsters, however you want to say that there, and there are bighorn sheep there, you know what is the most dangerous thing to the tourists? Squirrels. Chipmunks probably is close because they bite more people than anything else, all right? That's the Grand Canyon. What's another natural wonder? Say it out loud. Northern Lights. Yeah, the Northern Lights. This is probably one that I want to see more than anything else. And also, fun fact, there are Southern Lights, right? You know, there's not just the Northern Lights. There's Southern Lights, but they don't get as much airtime because ain't nobody going down there, all right? So, you know, a lot of people, the Northern Lights, and, and they, they exist because of, you know, electrons in this bank. I'd explain it to you guys, but it's complicated, and you wouldn't understand anyway, so... Actually, I have no idea, but they're super cool. What's another one? Egypt? Like the pyramids, no, those aren't, those aren't natural. Those are man-made or alien-made. I'm not sure which ones. What else? Mount Everest, yeah, Mount Everest. Mount Everest is 29,035 feet. Like it's crazy, and it's growing a quarter of an inch every single year, which means right now is the easiest time to climb it. So if you wanna go climb it, keep in mind, it's gonna cost you about $60,000 to climb, and it's gonna take you two months. So you gotta to commit to that. There's more? Uh, how about, uh, I'll just, there's a Paracutan volcano in Mexico. It's in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, and if you, you know, are afraid of volcanoes and eruptions because you, like me, watched Dante's Peak way too early in life and you still have nightmares, you know, from it, sleep easy because it's been dormant since 1952. And then there's, how many is that? Is that five, six? Um, the Great Barrier Reef. Come on. 
Like that's amazing. You can see it from outer space. It covers 700 million football fields. Like that's how big it is. And it's great snorkeling, so I've heard. There's one more. It's actually the bay at um, this place, Rio de Janeiro. The harbor. It's the, it's the deepest natural harbor on the planet. And in about the span of 200 yards, you have these high-peaked mountains, white sandy beaches, and beautiful ocean, which begs the question, what are any of us doing here? Come on. Right? That's just a question to haunt you for the rest of your life. Is that it? Did we get them all? Yeah. Did you know there is an eighth wonder, a secret eighth wonder of the world? You know what it is? Put it up on the screen. Compound interest. Facts, no printer. I'm serious. This is the eighth wonder of the world. According to Albert Einstein, this is what he says about compound interest. Compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. This is a domino. I know some of you are like, ooh, domino. Through the power of compound interest, if you take this one domino and you put them in sequential order and you just increased it by a factor of 1.5 with every domino, right, just 1.5, the 12th domino in a line would be the height of me and the 37th, just 37 dominoes would be the height and the weight of the Empire State Building through compound interest. Compound interest, who who understands it, earns it, who who doesn't, pays it. And through the power of compound interest, this one little domino could topple the entire thing. Just one little domino. Colby, why is that important? Why does this matter? It matters because of something C.S. Lewis wrote. He said this, good and evil both increase at compound interest. This is why we have to talk about this as we wrap up this series called Old to New about our part in this because church, the little decisions that you and I make have infinite importance. In fact, I want you to look at this and think little decision, little decision. Now I want you to think infinite importance. Little decision, infinite importance because life is just simply a succession of these, one after the other. One decision, and then another, and then another. Compound interest means that you and I will exponentially reap what it is that we, we sow in life. Einstein didn't invent it, right? God did. But, and it's as real as gravity is in our life. Einstein understood it, and I hope that we do too, that we sow a little good decision here or there, or we sow a bad decision here or there. You and I will reap whatever it is that we, we sow. And so I've been thinking a lot about this. Why is it that it's so difficult for us to consistently sow good little decisions one right after the other? Over and over and over. And here's what I think. I don't think it's because we're bad people. I don't think it's because we're horrible sinners. I think it's because we don't really trust that God has something greater and better for us than what the world has to offer us. And so that's why it's, it's difficult for us to just do one good decision after the other because this is what else C.S. Lewis would, Lewis would say. I'll read it to you. He says this, truly, 
You and I were like ignorant children in a slum, content making mud pies because we don't understand what is meant by a holiday at sea. Far too easily pleased because we just can't fathom that God actually has more for us. Because we can't wrap around, wrap our minds around the fact that God has, has more and better because we're just, we're content living life, making a good decision here or there, making a bad decision here or there, failing, you know, this, this and that. And this is why it feels so difficult for us to consistently make these small good decisions. Because can we be honest? One small good decision feels like sacrifice sometimes, does it not? Doesn't it? It, it's, it hurts. In fact, ask anybody who's, who's been to rehab and has made the decision to, to get to rehab. Like, they'll tell you that those 28 days or 30 days for them was like a hell on this earth. But then ask the person who made that one decision, who is now living a life of freedom, what that decision meant for them. Are you with me? Like, ask anybody. Ask anybody feeling like saving money to get out of debt. Like, when you want to spend money, you know, it feels a little like sacrifice. Like one good decision after the other, but ask the person who is financially free. Fasting a day sometimes can feel like sacrifice. Like, why am I doing this? What's, what's going on? You know, I'd be, But what it leads to is a, a closer relationship with God. What it leads to is, is answer prayer in your life. It's one good little decision after the other. Every small sacrifice over and over and over leads to exponential success. In fact, I'm thinking this is why probably Jesus told us that you'll find your life, your new life, your real life, the full life, if you lose your life. And if you daily choose to what? Sacrifice. Daily choose to take up your cross and follow him. Success sometimes feels like sacrifice. So listen, if I want my marriage in 10 years to be amazing, to be better than I could ever imagine. Like, that's my goal, to look back, you know, 10 years later and say, wow, like, this is unbelievable. I didn't know it could be this good. How did we get here? Can I tell you something? It won't be a mystery how we got there. It will be because we stacked on millions of these, one after the other, in the right direction to have a marriage, you know, that we're, we're excited about and a marriage that, that you know, is, is better than we could have ever imagined. It'll be because I'll wake up some mornings and the first thing I'll do is text Kristen, you know, in the morning, good morning, gorgeous. Like, I don't do it all the time, but sometimes, right? It'll be because I decided to do that before I got on my email, before I got on, you know, social media or before I opened up the news. It'll be because almost every single day her and I have lunch dates together. And next year when my littlest kid goes to school full-time, it's going to be almost every day. Come on, just you and me, girlfriend. Like, are you with me? It won't be a mystery is what I'm saying, how we end up there. It's not going to be a mystery. If you want the relationship that God wants for your life, it will be one good decision after the other. It'll be the time you said no to hanging with the guys or no to hanging with the girls so that you can invest in one another instead. Does that make sense? It'll be, the, it'll be because you sacrificed something good for something that you wanted even more, something that was, that was better, and you did not underestimate the power of one small, seemingly insignificant decision to do what it does best over time, compound interest. He who understands it, man, gets it, gets it, and it's powerful, and he who doesn't pays it. It's not going to be a mystery how you got there. It's going to make complete sense 
which is why, how many of you know, this doesn't just work for positive things in your life, but also works for, for the bad decisions as well. I think of bad decisions kind of like walking out into a, like an ocean of bad decisions, like where the first bad decision, you take one step in and, and it's not too deep and you're, you're okay. You can still look back, you still see the shore and, and whatever, and it wasn't great, but you know what? You, you can always turn around. It's that one thing that you decide to watch over and over again, or it's that one site that you decide to go to, you know, late at night over and over again, or it's, or it's that one thing that you decided, you know, uh, it's okay for me, it doesn't hurt anybody else, I'm gonna do over and over. Again, it's just one step, and it's one step further and further. Before too long, you look around, you're in over your head and you can't see the shore. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been in that kind of sea? I have, several times in my life been in that, that ocean, and it's almost like, how did I get here? Well, it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's one bad decision after the next, and it's never become more apparent in my life than when I, I got a, my first credit card, because I remember signing up for a credit card in college because I could get a free T-shirt, I think from MBNA or Discover Card or somebody, got a free T-shirt, used my credit card. I'm like, this is amazing. I don't have any cash, and I just swipe this sucker, you know, everywhere I go. And then I got the statement in the mail. My parents got the statement in the mail because my home address was on it. And they called me and said, hey, where's this number from? And I looked at that number. I'm like, how did I get here? It's a mystery. Actually, no, wait. They outlined for me. Every step that I took to get there, right? Subway, gas, subway, Abercrombie. Subway, American Eagle, Subway. You know, I'm, this is not a complicated, I'm not a complicated man, all right? It's just, this is not a complicated system, but it's powerful. And before too long, you can look up and you don't know where you are. But I do need to tell somebody, when you find yourself in that ocean of bad decisions, like, can I just explain to you that God's grace and mercy covers all that in your life? And it's, it's almost like, you know, he meets you right where you are in that ocean, like he's on a search and rescue helicopter. He comes down, he sees you, right? He descends the ladder and he gets right in the middle of your mess with you and he does not change this system. I know sometimes we might get delivered out of something like, like that in an instant, but most of the time he does not, he does not transition you out of it. What he does is walk with you through it one step at a time, one step at a time, one good decision after the other is compound interest, and it won't be a mystery. So listen, if you wanna get closer to God than you ever have before, can I tell you, maybe your decision is, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a verse a day, just a verse a day, I'm gonna download the YouVersion app, and I'm gonna start a streak, and I'm gonna see that, that streak, and I'm just every single day, and maybe you get crazy, and you end up doing like two verses a day. Or you're gonna say, hey, this summer, I'm gonna start reading the Bible in a year. Because you can do that in 10 to 12 minutes a day. You can read through the Bible in a year. But don't do this. Don't read it one time and like, all right, well, that didn't do anything for me. And then put it down and never go back to it. It's one good decision after the other. And you'll look back over your life after the year and I promise you, it'll have made a huge impact in your life. Are you with me? This is a, a life hack, compound interest, small decisions, infinite importance in our life. 
And so I have two questions for you, and I'll have the band come back out and help me. Because 10 years from now, and I don't mean this to, to crush you, I mean this to um, encourage you that if you and I don't do anything except dream about becoming new, that you will, you will not rise to the level of your dreams, you will fall to the level of your decisions. Nobody rises to the level of dreams. Yes, we have dreams, dreams are good, but you actually rise to the level of your decision, one good decision after the other, or you fall to the level of your decisions. In fact, that's why experts are saying that, that steady is sexy. Colby, what experts? I don't know, every expert of everything. They're saying that steady, consistency, in the right direction, one foot in the other, because eventually you arrive where it is you're walking. So two questions for you. Here's the first question. Who does God say you are? And I want you to prayerfully think about that right now. Who is it that God says you are? That he says. Not how you've identified yourself, not how you've labeled yourself, not how the world has labeled you. Because the beautiful thing about God is that he sees the end from the beginning. That's why he could change Simon's name before Simon ever did anything. In fact, if you know anything about Simon Peter, he didn't always get things right. He was still the rock. He denied Jesus, he was still the rock. So who is it that God says you are? And then the second question is this, what is one thing that person would do? That person, not who you say, but who God says you are. What's one thing that person would do today? Not two things, because I know some of you are overachievers, and you're like, I'm going to do more than one thing. Because more important than the one thing is actually doing the one thing. Does that make sense? Like, do the one thing over and over. So, so what is it? Is it reading God's Word? So you want to be closer to God? Because the ultimate goal for us is to know God better. Because when we know who God is, we'll know who we are. And when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. So what is the, the one thing? Here's the one thing I've determined to do. And I, again, I'll rip this off of Craig Groeschel. He says, uh, he calls this a words to live by. And I'm saying this is, I'm calling this who God says that I am. And I'm gonna declare this, my, this is my decision. This is what I've determined in this message. My one thing is I'm gonna declare this over my life every single day, audibly. It's gonna take me about three minutes every single day to do this, speak God's truth into my life because how many of you know there's power in the tongue? There's life and death in the tongue. And so this is gonna reinforce who, who God says I am. And maybe you wanna do something like this. Maybe this is the one thing. But here's what I'm gonna read every day. I am a man after God's own heart. Jesus is first in my life. I love my wife. I lay my life down to serve her. My boys will love God and serve them with their whole hearts. I'm just declaring that. Is it always gonna feel that way? I don't know, but I'm just declaring, I'm speaking it over their life. They will love God, they will serve God. I will love, equip, and empower them to do good and to enjoy life. I love people, and I'm gonna believe the best in people. I'm difficult to offend, make it hard to offend me. I'm peaceful in the presence of confrontation because listen, you can't live a life void of conflict and expect to live any kind of full life. There will be conflict in our life. I'm disciplined and I'm consistent because I have the Holy Spirit. I'm the same man on and off this stage. 
because what matters most is what I do in private when no one is looking. I'm calm, I'm relaxed, I'm fun to be around, I enjoy life, I'm growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, my leadership is sharper, and I will do what what God has entrusted me, I will lead this church, I will lead my staff, I will lead my family to the best of my ability because I am where I am because God qualified me. I know I'm not qualified, but he's qualified me. I'm creative, I'm energetic, I'm focused, I'm blessed beyond measure because of the spirit of the living God dwells in me. Pain's my friend. It's not God's will for me, but it will make me stronger. I believe Uh, I'm going to bring my best and then some. And last but not least, I will run fast, I will fight hard, and I will finish strong. And the world will be different because I love Jesus. That's that's my one thing I'm going to do every single day. What is the one thing that you can do every single day? Which, by the way, declaring that doesn't make it true. And there will be days I don't feel that way. Most days I won't feel that way. But that. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.